Hey y'all, it's Janice here, aka J Nice on the mic, and this is Dirty Diversity, a podcast on all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is called Dirty Diversity because in this day and age, diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions. The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, aka J Nice on the mic. <laughs> that was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hey y'all, Jay Nice on the mic. Uh, this is episode three of Dirty Diversity. Today's episode is called, What Are You Doing to Amplify the Voices of the Marginalized? In this episode, I'll be discussing what some things that each of us can do are to deconstruct systems of oppression. So the first thing that I wanted to say is is thank you all so much for downloading and listening to Dirty Diversity, the first two episodes. There have been 300 downloads so far among the two episodes, and I'm really, really thankful for those of you who are listening. I would just ask you again, this is the same favor I ask y'all on each podcast, but if you uh, can take a second to just rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, it would mean the absolute world to me. What that does is it helps others to find the Dirty Diversity podcast, so I would really appreciate it if you would just take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast. Okay, so the next order of business, I had a question from a listener named Tammy. So just to review, y'all can send me questions, diversity and inclusion related questions to the Dirty Diversity Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that would be dirtydiversitypodcast at gmail.com. You can email me questions there. So I got my first question from Tammy. Tammy's a listener, and uh, her, she writes in her question, "I am an HR. I am HR for a mid-sized nonprofit in St. Paul. We're struggling with recruiting and retaining people of color. I listened to your first episode, and I am wondering if you could go a bit deeper on that topic." We're a mostly white organization, and I'm told it's hard to be the only person of color in the room, which makes sense, but I'm not sure how to make folks feel more comfortable. 
Obviously, we are hiring more people of color, but things won't change overnight. And then she asks if I have any advice on retention and how to make people feel safe and at ease. So thank you so much to Tammy for that question. A few suggestions that I can make, speaking both from the perspective of a diversity and inclusion consultant and as a person of color, a female of color in in my whole life and in the workplaces, uh, in the workplace that I'm currently in. What I would want to see is uh, there's a couple things. So I love when companies invite speakers of color to discuss different issues. There are so many speakers of color that can speak to different issues. There's companies that invite panelists or speakers to talk about things like hair discrimination, to talk about how to foster a more inclusive workplace for people of color, to talk about allyship. So I think serving the employees within your organization, but looking specifically to maybe those who identify as employees of color and seeing what it is that they want. If your company has employee resource groups, I would definitely ask the members of these employee resource groups what it is that they want, what are some topics that panelists and and speakers can come in and discuss. I've been asked to come in and do like Black History Month discussions, for example. So I would definitely say inviting speakers. One speaker that I can recommend is Minda Hartz. She is the best-selling author of a book called The Memo, which I'm sure many of the listeners have heard of. Um, Minda, I had an opportunity to profile Minda last year, or maybe it was the year before that. Yeah, last in 2018 uh, in Forbes. So I would suggest inviting a speaker like Minda. Minda wrote a book, The Memo, about the unique experiences of women of color in the workplace. So I think that inviting authors or speakers, diversity and inclusion speakers, such as myself, (laughs) to come in and speak to your audience and to speak to your employees about topics that are relevant, particularly to black employees and employees of color is one way that you can, excuse me, try to foster more inclusion. So that's something that I would like to see. And when, you know, if I'm working in a company and they do something like that, that shows me that I matter and that the company's trying to make an effort to um, to make my voice heard and to, to do things that appease me and appeal to me. So that would be something that I would want to see and I would suggest that your company do. Another thing that I think is definitely very instrumental is to design and implement a mentorship or sponsor and or sponsorship program within your workplace. Mentorship is a really effective way to create a pipeline for uh, diverse employees in in two leadership positions. So I would suggest designing a very detailed and structured mentorship and or sponsorship program. Sponsorship is a little bit more intricate. Um, It's where you are developing relationships for employees, and these are strategic relationships 
people who are instrumental in an employee's career would be someone who's a sponsor. A mentor is more of like someone you would turn to for career guidance and advice, but creating and and fostering these bonds is very, very instrumental. And there's a lot of research that indicates that for employees of color, mentorship and sponsorship is, um, how do I say, is the the impact of this cannot be overstated. So I'll leave, uh, I can think of two Harvard Business Review articles that specifically talk about the importance of mentorship and sponsorship for employees of color. So I'll leave that, Tammy, hopefully you're listening right now, but I'll leave that in the show notes. So if any of you want to read that or check it out, but I would definitely say inviting speakers of color to discuss different topics, having a panel that your company hosts that are on the panel is on a topic that's relevant to employees of color that can be really instrumental um and uh yeah so that i would definitely suggest mentorship and sponsorship programs panels and bringing in speakers of color so what are you doing to deconstruct systems of oppression well, I have to share a story. A couple weeks ago, I had a speaking engagement at NYU. I spoke to a class at NYU, and one of the students, this class was full of brilliant minds, and uh, this was a graduate class, and one of the students in the class asked me a question, and I thought it really made me stop and think. And I'm actually in the process of writing an article on this same topic, and my goal is to finish it by the time this podcast goes live. So um, I'll leave it in the show notes for y'all to check out. But I I wanted to share some things that I'm doing to try to deconstruct systems of oppression and how I amplify the voices of the marginalized. So the question specifically that the student asked me was, she said, you know, I see that you are a lighter skinned black woman. And I just wanted to know, given that racism isn't the only issue, but also within the black community, colorism is something that is a really big issue. What are what specifically are you doing to amplify the voices of darker skinned women? And I thought that that was a great question. Uh, I wanted to share my response. I shared some of these responses with the student. And then after the class, I was like, oh, there were a couple other things I forgot to mention. But so what I try to do is in my writing, I try to profile creators of color, business owners of color, but particularly black people and particularly, particularly black women. I try to find the stories of people that, wouldn't that may not normally get a platform to share their stories so I tried to a amplify the voices of women of color people of color and I I what I think that I can do with the small platform that I have is to increase their visibility another thing that I do whenever I do any sort of writing is that I try to feature photos of women of color, black women, but particularly darker skinned women. I think that it's important to highlight the beauty that is 
blackness and black women, um, I try to make it a point because I understand that colorism is definitely something that's rampant within the the world, not just the black community, but every single community of color. Colorism is a thing, you know, in Indian communities, there's a caste system based on colorism and, and within many different Asian countries, colorism is a thing. Uh, within South America, colorism is, is an issue. So I try to highlight and make, highlight the beauty of darker skinned women and people. Um, so that's one of the things that I do. Also, I teach and in the PowerPoint presentations that I, that I use when I'm teaching, I try to also make sure that I utilize different types of images and particularly the images of people of color. Because when you look up images for, you know, when you look up at images in Google, typically the images that you find are only those of white people. So I try to make sure that the visuals that I use, because all of those things are subconscious and they make a, a statement. So I try to make sure that I highlight black people, people of color, women of color. I utilize photos of people of color and I, you know, for those of you who know me from the YouTube days, I also try to make sure that I shine a light on this topic. I've discussed this in a few of my YouTube videos, and it's something that I, I call light, light skin privilege. And I recognize and understand that the way that I speak and the way that I look maybe makes me, has made me more palatable to white America and just people in general. And I understand that somebody who was darker skinned and maybe spoke a different way may not be received as well as I am. So these are all things that I think are important to discuss and highlight because the more we talk about these things, the more you're educating people who may not really understand uh, you know, this topic in depth. So I think that discussing this topic is really important. And I already mentioned using my platform to share stories of the marginalized and amplify the voices of other people. Some other things that I do, kind of veering off of the question that the student asked me, but just looking at what I, what are some things I personally do to deconstruct systems of oppression. When I moved to New York, I got involved with an organization called the Coalition for the Homeless, and I volunteer as a job coach. And what happens is that I get paired with a woman who, uh, typically it's women who've been out of work for a substantial amount of time. And I just help them with reviewing their resume, with creating a cover letter, with interview techniques. So I think that this, obviously this isn't a paid position, it's just volunteering your time, taking the individuals out to lunch and just discussing things with them. And I think that each of us have knowledge and expertise in different areas. And although I wouldn't call myself a resume expert or an interview expert, I think that it it costs me nothing to share my time and my knowledge with a woman of color who's trying to get back on her feet. So that's just some things that I do. I also host a diversity dinner dialogue, which for those of you who are located in New York City, I'm hosting one on Thursday, February 20th. Um, there's more details on, uh, I'll leave a link to ticket details 
in the show notes. The tickets are actually sold out, but I'll leave the link anyway just in case anyone um, returns their ticket. The tickets are free, but uh, so I'll leave that in the show notes. But I do host a diversity dinner dialogue, and I think that this is just another way to amplify the voices of people of color because a lot of the people who attend the diversity dinner dialogue are people from diverse backgrounds, people of color, and they just come, we discuss in in a very loving and informal environment, we just discuss the different diversity and inclusion challenges that people are experiencing within their workplace. So those are just a couple things that I do to try to amplify voices of the marginalized, deconstruct systems of oppression, while also recognizing my light-skinned privilege. So that was kind of a ramble. But um, the next thing that I wanted to just discuss is some things that you can do, those of you listening, to deconstruct systems of oppression. So you can speak up in your workplace when you witness inequitable behavior taking place. You might hear negative things ne- negative things being said and perpetuated by your colleagues, your coworkers, managers. Speaking up and speaking out against these sorts of behaviors, pointing out bias when you see it, when you witness it, um, trying to amplify the voices of other people. We all have our circles of influence, and I think that We are so much more influential and powerful than we think we are. Each of us, especially those of us who use social media, we can reach thousands and sometimes even millions of people at the click of our, our, you know, at the click of a mouse or, you know, a few clicks on our phone. We have so much power within our control and within our hands. So I think amplifying the voices of others through our circles of influence is important. I I think it's really important. It's hard to speak up in your workplace when you witness things that are not right taking place, but I think that you can do it in without being argumentative and trying to challenge someone. You can just simply plant seeds in a person's mind to sort of let them know that Maybe what they said or what they did is not right. And I think that um, we can each, there are things that each of us can do within our workplaces and within our circles of influence. That might even be with our families. Um, Many people, maybe some people who are listening to this, your family, your uncle or your grandfather, your great-grandfather, whomever, may have sort of passed down negative perceptions and beliefs and stereotypes to your family to your family members. So recognizing that and calling it out when you see it is really, really important. It could be your friend, a close friend of yours making a joke or commenting on something that is disrespectful. I had a situation where I was with a group of guys and someone within the group said, um, someone said that something was soft, like, oh, that's soft Oh, you're acting like a woman. And I just simply pointed out to that person that saying things like that perpetuate this idea that women are weak and that calling someone, calling a man feminine or saying that he behaves like a woman is an insult. And you're further perpetuating this this negative idea that women are weak and that men have to uphold these 
macho and masculine ideals 24 seven and that a man that shows vulnerability is feminine. So I pointed that out. And I think that Pointing out things like that can be difficult in the moment, especially when it's a friend, a family member, someone that you're close to. But I think that what that does, it might not change someone's behavior, but who knows? Maybe it will. You're planting seeds in someone's mind and hopefully making them see things in a way that they didn't necessarily see before. So it's important that we use our voices within our circles of influence to try to impact changes as well as amplifying bias and inequities when we see it and trying to deconstruct it. Another thing that can be done to deconstruct systems of oppression is you can use your resources to use your time and your resources to spend on somebody who may not have the same access and opportunity as you do. Mentor someone from a marginalized background. Donate, again, your time and your resources to volunteer and to help people from communities that are outside of your own. Um, so I don't, it doesn't just have to be money. Again, it could be your time. You could volunteer to help groups of people, to help kids. You could use your resources, use your connections, connections, your, the people within your circle of friends and your, your network are full of resources and they might be instrumental in helping someone get a job. So using your resources and your time is really important. I would encourage you all to see how, how, and if you can mentor someone from a marginalized background. Also, it's important to educate ourselves and to understand that even if you, and I don't call myself a diversity and inclusion expert, sometimes when I'm on panels or I do speaking engagements, people call me a diversity and inclusion expert. I would not call myself an expert. I think it's important to understand and recognize that the learning never stops. There are things that I don't know and I don't understand. I could be better, have a deeper understanding of. I would not call myself a diversity expert. The experiences, for example, of a transgender person within America, I don't understand that. I don't have an understanding of what a transgender person experiences. I might slip up and say the wrong thing or have the wrong perceptions about that community of people. So I think that understanding that the learning never stops and constantly being on a quest to educate our, ourselves and understand other people is important. Uh, so the last thing I wanted to talk about is particularly because we're still in Black History Month, what are some ways that you can amplify the voices of Black people? The first thing that I think you can do is support Black creatives. And this could be black actors, black actresses, black YouTubers. A lot of creatives have a Patreon account or they have a cash app or they have a Venmo. So I would encourage you to support black creatives that you enjoy. If you have a YouTuber that you love, they more than likely have a Patreon or have somewhere you can donate funds to. So I would encourage you to support them and their efforts also, support a Black-owned business. Where do you normally shop for? Where do you normally shop for food? There are more than likely there are probably Black-owned restaurants 
within your city, especially if you're in these larger cities, if you're in Brooklyn, if you're in Chicago, if you're in Richmond, Virginia, there are Black-owned businesses that you can support. So I would encourage you to find local Black businesses, support them, Black uh, hair salons, Black nail artists, Black products. I would encourage you to check my Instagram. My A link to my Instagram is in the show notes. Um, my Instagram is Janice J. Nice, Janice J-N-I-C-E, and I have a highlight on my Instagram that is called Black Businesses, and there are probably 20 to 30 businesses within that highlight that you can check out if you want some ideas on Black businesses to support. Business owners of color receive less VC funding than their uh, white counterparts. So these businesses have some unique barriers and ch- uh, challenges that they may experience. So it's I think it's super duper important to, if you're looking for ways to amplify Black voices, supporting Black businesses is can be really, really instrumental. Also supporting black charities. <laughs> Again, not to um, to keep plugging my Instagram, but on my Instagram, I have a, if you click the link in my bio, I have a list of black charities that you can support. Um, one that I would suggest is called Birthright Africa. For those of you who are familiar with Birthright Israel, uh, that's basic, it's basically a... Um, a trip that is funded for Jewish children to travel back to Israel to reconnect with their roots. So a couple years ago, um, a few founders created something called Birthright Africa, which is just um, the same idea, but for children of the diaspora. So they provide free trips to different countries within Africa so that African Uh, children can reconnect with their roots. Also, watch Black movies. Support Black artists and Black musicians by buying and streaming their music. That goes back to this idea of supporting Black creatives. So those are a few things that you can all do um, to amplify the voices of Black people And I hope you all learned a couple things that you can do in your life to deconstruct systems of oppression, making sure you speak out when you witness bias and prejudice taking place, bias and prejudice behavior taking place. Also, mentoring people from marginalized communities and amplifying voices of the marginalized. So there are many things that we can all do in our lives and in our circles of influence. I I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email, dirtydiversitypodcast at gmail.com or link up with me on LinkedIn. My name on LinkedIn is Janice Gassum or find me on Instagram. I'm usually on either LinkedIn or Instagram. It has been a pleasure And I will check you y'all out next week, Monday. Check y'all out in the very next episode. Much love.